Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Political State Podcast from the Oklahoman. I'm Ben Felder here in the Oklahoman's podcast studio in our downtown newsroom. Joining me in the studio is the Oklahoman's federal government reporter, Chris Castile. Chris, happy 4th of July. And thanks, Ben, and you too. Yeah. And Congresswoman. Yeah, a day before. And our guest this week, Representative uh, Kendra Horn of Oklahoma's 5th Congressional District. Congresswoman, uh, thanks so much for your time. Welcome. Glad to be here. Well, you are a, a little more than half a year into your into your first term, a two-year term, so it's kind of almost the end of your first quarter. So if it was a football game, you'd be at the end of your first quarter. That's true. I'm curious, how would you how would you judge your performance so far in the first quarter? Well, I think uh, we have we have played really hard since the very beginning. Uh, we've we've uh, had some had some good accomplishments, and we've got a lot more to go. You can't give up after the first quarter. It's just uh, just getting started, but. I think the very first part of the first quarter was an interesting challenge to walk into, and uh, I I think it's going to be a very interesting uh, second quarter all the way through. The first part they're talking about was the shut government. You walked right into government shutdown. Yeah, I mean, you know, somebody asked me about that early on in in the very first week or so, what it was like to walk into the middle of a government shutdown, and I said, you know, I. I've never been a freshman in Congress before, but I'm pretty sure this is unusual. And and in fact, it was. But I, I am pleased with the way that we were able to reach out and highlight the importance of of facilities like the Monroney Center here and the importance of the Air Traffic Controller Training Center and what that means to our nation's air travel and safety and the contribution that Oklahoma City makes and the importance of really re-examining how we make decisions because it just to me is fundamentally wrong that regardless of which side does it that we would even consider it an option to shut down the government and put that burden on the backs of the people that are working for us in so many ways whether it's food safety or air traffic safety or other things like that and not have the people that are making the decisions be the ones that bear that responsibility and the employees i think you you pointed this out you have the FAA in your your district. Uh, you know they all were made whole eventually, but all those contractors were not. Yep, absolutely, and that's that's something I co-sponsor several pieces of legislation to to address that. And th- the good news is that in the current appropriations bills, as we pass them out of the House, there are some provisions in there that will make those contractors oh, okay. whole. And and it's especially important. And I, I think a lot of people, if they haven't worked as a government contractor don't know that they don't get the benefits and they didn't get the back pay and for many people those were not high paid contractors it was hourly wage workers uh, janitors mm-hmm. and food service and that to me is even more important they didn't do anything to deserve being let go right. from their jobs they they were doing their jobs and and so it is our job i think to make them whole you know it yeah such an interesting time to come into congress uh, you talk about you know coming in with a shutdown uh, it's such a, you know, Chris, you could be a judge of this. I mean, Congress is always dramatic, I suppose, but just seems even more so, uh, you know, these days. Um, not not a, not a great chance to just ease into it, right? I mean, you've really had to just kind of, you know, get up to speed and hit the ground running pretty quick, right? Absolutely. I, I It's just it's just like taking a leap and, and diving in and you just got to swim. But, you know, I think that y- your point is really interesting because there's always a lot of back and forth and, and adjustment when there's uh, a new group of people there. There were more, more than 100 new members that came in, a new majority. But the interesting thing, I think, the way that our media gets consumed, especially on the national mm-hmm. level and on the social media level, 
it, it appears even more that people are pushed to their corners. But what I have experienced and, and coming in with this new class is that are a whole lot more of us that are closer to the center. We're, we're from places like Oklahoma where we ran because we wanted to help our communities. We really are focused on serving our communities and whether that is through rural broadband access or protecting our air traffic controllers or addressing housing issues at Tinker, all of these things, we're very focused on that. But the fascination and a lot of the coverage uh, centers on just a few people on either end. And we don't see as much from those of us who are just rolling up our sleeves and doing the work in the middle, especially at the national level. I think local, locally, it's been different. Uh, but but we've got to keep talking about that because that's where the real work gets done. Yeah, and you wound up. I mean, you, you, there's so much attention being paid to you know kind of the the push uh, by Democrats who took over the House in January. You know, on Trump and uh, um, you know possible impeachment um, and, and all the subpoenas that, that have been issued. But you wound up on a couple of committees that have absolutely nothing to do with that. A couple that are very actually bipartisan. The um, Armed Services Committee has always been kind of a, a bipartisan committee or the bill that you guys produced a couple of weeks ago is a bipartisan bill mm-hmm. for the most part. Yep. Science, Space Science Committee is a, yes. you know, there's not really any kind of partisan split there. So you're really kind of remote from some of those issues. Probably a lot of times the only um, exposure you have to them is when the media asks you questions about it because you've been doing other things all day. Absolutely, I think that's a, a great point, and I'm very, I'm very pleased with the committee assignments uh, that that I got. They were two that were important to me that I, you know, requested one because the Armed Services Committee does such important work, uh, not only for our communities but for our overall our our national security. And it was my experience over and over again that we would show up in committee hearings and, you know, if you put a blindfold on, especially when we're dealing with issues like housing, you wouldn't have known if it was a Republican or a Democrat asking that question because it was about what's the best interest of our service members. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to keep lifting that up because there's a lot of work that's being done in committees like the committees I sit on and a lot of important issues that we're addressing that just don't get the attention because they're not quite as um, explosive or controversial, if you will. But they're so important to the functioning of our communities, to our nation's security, to so many other different things that impact our lives on a day-to-day basis. Right. Well, you know, you talked about the the habit of, of pushing people into those corners. So let's unpack that a little bit. I mean, so you just started your first term, it feels like, but you're, you know, in the nature of the House, you're always up for re-election. You've got two already Republican challengers. They're going to have to go through a primary. Um, but already earlier, trying to kind of paint you into that corner. I've talked about you being, you know, very extremist to the left and maybe comparing you to, you know, some of those those coastal Democrats. How, where would you place yourself on that political spectrum? You've used the word moderate, but where would you where would you place yourself on there? I, I'd, I'd place myself much much closer to to the center i'm i'm not going to run away from being being a democrat but i didn't run to just represent democrats i'm 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 here to serve all the people of mm-hmm. oklahoma in the 5th congressional district and the lens i think anybody that knows me or has had the opportunity to talk to me knows the lens i'm going to make decisions through is uh is is factual it's what's in the best interest of the community and sometimes that puts me at cross purposes with people in my own party and 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 sometimes with the other party but to me the bottom line when i'm making decisions is uh, is it smart? Does it does it help us get 
where we need to go and 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 is it good for our communities and and that's how i'm always going to make decisions and and at the same time i have an open door policy i meet with you know anybody that comes in i meet with industry advocacy groups individuals because i think it's our job to take in as much information as possible and try to craft those policies so I, that's where I would. That's where I would mm-hmm. place myself, and and I, I, I understand people are going to try to paint me into certain corners, but uh, it doesn't. That's not who I am, and I'm I'm not going to fire back in the opposite direction, and and I just want to stay focused on helping the people of the fifth district. Yeah. Right, let me ask you this: just interject yeah. on this because we're going to get into kind of the border situation and uh, you know what's going to happen at Fort Sill. But le- but last week when. Um, the House and Senate were, were trying to get the, the border aid bill passed. And the Senate passed a version, had a bipartisan version. The House version had been split along party lines. There were apparently a lot of centrist Democrats who told the Speaker, let's just take the Senate bill, get this done. Were you among them? I was. Okay. I was. Can you and, talk about and, that? Yeah, absolutely. And and, and here's, here's my thinking on this. You know, right now we have – we have a humanitarian crisis. I think that's indisputable, and and the the conditions that we've seen many people being held in, uh, as as the United States, if we want to continue to envision ourselves as that city on the hill or the example that we we have a responsibility to treat people with decency and humanity, uh, r- regardless, and and that goes that goes across the board. And for me, the question was not. Is there a problem here, and do we need more oversight to ensure that that these problems are addressed? Uh, because we absolutely do. But bottom line is, we've got to. My 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 sentiment is, we got to get the funding to get these children beds and blankets and toothbrushes and showers and 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 I just have. I just look at everything through this lens of I don't want the perfect to be the enemy of the possible, and wanting to make sure that we got the funding to address this situation immediately and then we can continue to make sure that these problems are addressed and we can step forward and look forward and look towards a more comprehensive immigration solution which we need but it doesn't mean that we're going to just give the money and then step back and not make sure that it's being used for the reasons it, it, it was supposed to be used it meant that we got to take care of these people, and I don't want them to have to wait any longer. And it's like it's like emergency funding when we pass that emergency funding bill for all of the 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 major earthquakes, tornadoes, floods, all of that. We need to help people where we can right now. And waiting uh, to me is doesn't help those those kids and that that's that's where i came down on are, are you thinking about going down there have you gone down there to kind of assess it yourself you know there were some of your colleagues were down there this week who talked about just how appalling the conditions were i haven't been down there yet but some of my colleagues are working on a bipartisan trip down there okay. and we're we're working on getting down there to, to to be able to see but i think the being being a part of a bipartisan trip is also really important to me. A lot of the legislation that I've worked on so far and will continue to work on is bipartisan uh, and and I think having that full view to me this isn't this isn't all about this isn't a partisan issue. This is about how we treat people and where our systems need to be fixed and what we've got to address with this crisis. So do you think about I mean you talk about kind of and I'm going to use the word optics, and I don't mean that in a, in a negative term, but, I mean, for you, who are, who is a moderate, and, and you're trying to appeal to Republicans in your district. You I mean, you have to win some of them over, and you did. Um, I mean, do you feel like you have to give 
consideration to some of these issues. Like I don't want to immediately jump into something that's going to be um, that's going to appear that I'm just going extreme to the left. That, that, that that's going to tune out those who are more moderate or are to the right. I mean, how much of a thought process do you go through in thinking, hey, I should do it in a bipartisan way as opposed to maybe going down with maybe some of the more extreme members? How much of a, is that part of your thought process? I- it's that's that's not really the lens as much as for me the way I look at things is what what is the right thing to do and what what gets us uh, furthest uh, the fastest in in the right way mm-hmm. so my question is always okay what's the problem and what's the end goal versus I think sometimes when we get caught up in in partisan games it is how I want to get someplace versus what the end goal is and. And that's the lens that I like to look at it through. Okay, what's the what's our problem? Uh, what's the outcome that we want to seek? And what is gonna what's a pathway that's gonna get us there? And and I just personally think that it's good to reach out to different people, mm-hmm. to build friendships, to build relationships. I always have, and bringing people together, we end up having a whole lot more in common than we have different. Uh, but we have to look for those things because it's really easy to notice the difference. Those one of those things is not like the other, except you know, eighty percent of the rest of it is. And so that's that's where I always try to look at it. What what's the problem and what's the desired outcome and how can we get there and and do it in the smartest way possible? Yeah. Well, well let's talk about the, your energy votes in that context. I mean, there was a series of votes on the interior spending bill about opening public. Uh, actually, it's about blocking um, exploration off. Atlantic, Pacific, Anwar, Eastern Gulf, um, and then there is a methane rule. Um, Every Oklahoman member of Congress, for as long as I can remember, would have voted the opposite way that you did. And there, it, there, there would seem to be some kind of larger question there, rather than just you know specifically what about drilling off the coast of Virginia? What about Anwar? Kind of a larger issue you must have confronted here, no, you know, having such a huge indus- energy industry presence in your district about how you're going to approach these votes. Uh, yeah, there, there's there's a lot of considerations that went in, and the way that the way that I look at everything, we spent time uh, researching the amendments, looking at what was in there, reaching out to to industry to you know solicit input, but also looking at the environmental impacts, looking at the other stakeholders that came in to those questions and just specifically on the on the offshore uh, as a member of the armed services committee the dod has expressed concerns about the impact of their training exercises and a number of other things and the impact on our national security well, that's in the eastern additional. gulf which has been closed off to most drilling i think for a long time though right well they're 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 also concerned about additional Virginia, additional drilling and and other places yeah, Navy, naval presence. Yeah, and then there are also thirteen governors, uh, both parties, who have expressed concern uh, about it. So well, it's, I was going to ask you about it because there's a lot of NIMBY when it comes to energy yeah. production. You know, not in my backyard. You know, and that that could go for you know, um, uh, wind wind turbines off Cape Cod, oil rigs off Santa Barbara. You know, whatever it might be, but. There doesn't seem to be that kind of concern from Congress about Oklahoma and Texas. You know, there's, uh, you know, hey, they're doing it there. Let's just let, let's let them drill those things in Oklahoma and Texas. Don't don't put them in Anwar. Don't put them in the Atlantic. Yeah, I think that's interesting. But there's also there's also the challenge that that I've found of educating my colleagues, uh, especially some of the more the colleagues on the left, about the importance of our 
our industry here and and the impact that it has. And particularly, we know that natural gas has been a, a key factor in reducing the amount of greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, take take the Oklahoma City area in the 5th District alone, and, and OG&E has, over the last decade or so, shifted a good chunk of their power plants from coal-fired to natural gas and had a substantial decrease in greenhouse gas emissions, 24% uh, in, in decrease in greenhouse gas emissions just from that shift. So that, that again, goes back to that, that lens that I like I look at everything through. It's not an all or nothing consideration, but what gets us there? What helps to reduce greenhouse gas emissions? Because if we wait to switch everything over all at once, well, that doesn't get us there. We we still have uh, all of our power and energy, or most of it, is is based off of that. So how can we reduce greenhouse gas emissions and still ensure that uh, that, that our industry is able to continue, that we keep jobs, and that we, we have a full suite of options. It's not just one or the other, but that's, all, that's always the calculus that, that I'm looking at. I'm kind of wondering industry. how they react to that, um, given that the, the national perception about fracking. And in, and in fact, one of your Democratic press predecessors, uh, Dan Boren, was in one of the politicians who was kind of skewered in that movie Gasland about uh, natural gas drilling. So do you get kind of blowback from well, your colleagues about fracking when you try to sell them on natural gas? I think that goes to the the overall balance of how do we fix things. We started to see that here in Oklahoma. We absolutely had to adjust the way that that the drilling was happening to and and it was the 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 reinjection and ensure that we were not creating more uh, seismic instability and and learning from the science and following it and sometimes that means adjustments by industry sometimes that that means a lot of different things but it's a it's not a an all or nothing for me it's never an all or nothing it's not an anti or a pro. It's a what's the right decision to balance uh, our our economic interest and our environmental interest, and you know, putting on my hat on the science, space, and technology committee. I'm also on the energy subcommittee, so we've spent time in hearings on the energy subcommittee talking about how we reduce greenhouse gas emissions and protect jobs and move to the next generation of investment. And that takes time, uh, it takes intention, and it takes thoughtfulness. And that means, I think, sometimes saying yes to this and no to that and 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 going through all of the, the details and, and making the best decisions we possibly can. And, you know, drilling in Oklahoma is different than drilling off the coast. And we have to take all of those factors into account. So I'm always troubled by a blanket idea that I'm going to always agree with one group or person every single time or disagree every single time. Because that, I think, gives us – we end up in these blind spots. We might make poor decisions just because we've already written a group off. And the commitment that I've made to anybody that's ever come in to my office and anybody I meet with is that we have an open door policy. We're going to reach reach out. We're going to have conversations. I want the facts. We're going to lay it all out and be honest as, about where we are and see where we can work together and where we can find the best solution. Uh, but that goes to that point of compromise and mm-hmm. consensus, which uh, seem to me too often dirty words, I think. 
Yeah. So we're taping this on July 3rd. Tomorrow's the 4th. It uh, doesn't sound like you're rushing off for uh, tr- President Trump's big 4th of July parade <laughs> tomorrow. I'm, I'm going to be, be I'm going to be in the Bethany. Okay. Yeah, we're going to be in Bethany. It's one so, of my favorite parades. So you won't be at the parade in D.C., but I'm curious, what is your opinion? I've getting a lot of attention, uh, you know, the use of military equipment in D.C., this kind of, you know, parade that you might find more common in a place like Red Square. What, uh, I mean, what's kind of your take on, on the president? <laughs> well, no, I'm going to be here in yeah. Oklahoma. <laughs> but, you know, I think uh, the the celebration of uh, of the, the nation's founding, the 4th of July celebration, has always been about everyone coming together, being nonpartisan, bring, bringing us together to remind us about the ideals that, that we were established on. Now, it doesn't mean we've always done everything right but the ideals about bringing people together and bringing them in and and it's not just about military i am i am a proud member of of the armed services committee and i i take that job very seriously and that means that we have to take care of our readiness it means that we have to take care of our troops and find the right balance uh, but it also means that as a as a country that was brought together under democratic ideals, a democratic republic that brings everybody's voices to the table, we also need to celebrate and value diplomacy and and the one vote, one voice, the ability of every single person in our community or what we should strive towards to make sure their voice is heard. And there there are many ways to show strength that are not all about that. And when we need that, then you know, we can be out into to the world to protect ourselves and our By allies. That, you mean armored vehicles? Yeah, and 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 you know, um, like this Fourth of July should be a reminder about the Declaration of Independence, and that the founding fathers and mothers and people who were not ever hurt, we don't know about necessarily, or we should, um, we're moving toward that idea that all of our voices matter and. You know, it's not all about that. So, I, I would hope that we'd, we would be more inclusive and be more thoughtful about it, and and not just rely on um, demonstrate. We know we have military prowess in the world, but we don't need to show it off all the time. I think. Yeah. Well, just a, a few minutes left here in, in this episode. Um, I want to ask you. So, you know, we mentioned, you know, you're in, in the House. You're always running for the next election. It seems uh, really strong fundraising quarter, first quarter for you. And the second quarter numbers will come here up here pretty soon. Um, are you expecting that to be strong? And just kind of, what do you attribute that to? I mean, you you go from one having one of the biggest upsets of of 2018. You know, now you're an incumbent, and that comes with some, a certain amount of strength. And not to say it by any means that, that holding onto the seat will be easy, but it seems like you've got some momentum, at least in, in the fundraising. I mean, how would you kind of assess your, your chances as you move closer to 2020? Absolutely, I think we're, we're going to show some very strong numbers next week. But what that shows to me, and and I think what you're going to see through that is there are thousands of Oklahomans who have supported who have supported us in the first quarter, in the second quarter, and moving forward. And I think that upset uh, that that you that you talked about really showed that it wasn't about, and this was never about me, it was all about we. And there are a lot of Oklahomans who invested their time and their money and their belief that they, they, they want to have, have a part in the process. And I think that's what it shows because, you know, we took the no corporate PAC pledge. So all of the money we raised is from uh, individuals or, you know, some associations. And, and, and I think that that is very important because it's the voices of the people. And I think what it says is that We've got people of all different backgrounds and political persuasions, and it's Oklahomans doing what they can. I've got, you know, people that do $5 a month and, you know, people that do more, but it's about their voices in the process. And I think 
uh, I'm very proud of that, and that's something that I always put at the front and center, whether it's on the official side or when we're, we're talking about the campaign, because the more people we hear from, I think the better decisions we make. And so I'm feeling good about it, and we'll, we'll have some numbers to reveal next week. But the bottom line is that Oklahomans continue to step up. Yeah. I just had a quick follow sure. on the on the border stuff in Fort Sill. You know, there there were demonstrations at Senator Langford's office today and at uh, Representative Cole's uh, um, office yesterday. Not not all about Fort Sill, but you know, there were some specifically about Fort Sill. Uh, the speaker sent the president a letter yesterday saying that children shouldn't stay more than ninety days in these influx camps. What what's your um, in influx facilities? I'm sorry. What what's your take on that? I mean, do you do you feel like Fort Sill is an appropriate place for for some of them to go, and 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 how long should they stay? I think I think the ninety days is is a is is a sufficient amount of time to make that transition. And the and the at, at Fort Sill, um, as you know, uh, sadly we saw an influx in in twenty fourteen. So this has happened before. Um, is it would be transferring the these children from the Customs and Border Patrol to uh, uh, the HHS, HHS. Uh-huh. Uh, and and ensuring that then they can get uh, placed properly, uh, and and I think I, I'm really troubled by the conditions. I mean, we've we've clearly covered that, and we've got to make sure that there is is oversight and there is transparency. I think that is important in everything. Mm-hmm. Everything we do as a, as a government, we should be transparent. There should be the ability to over oversee all of this. And while I don't love the idea of having so many children uh, in in these sort of situations, uh, we've got to be able to safely transition them and and make sure that they're not just getting held and that they're being treated with dignity and respect that they have. Uh, you know that that they have people that are advocating for them because these are children that we're talking about, and 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 I think that's the that's the next step is is figuring out how we get people out of these facilities and and get them where they where they need to be. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's going to do it for uh, our time today. But Congresswoman, thanks so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Good thanks to be so here with both of you. Happy yeah. Fourth. Yeah. Well, you enjoy that parade in Bethany tomorrow. Thanks. I will. Yeah. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Political State Podcast from the Oklahoman. You can find this and every other episode on your favorite podcasting app, also on the Oklahoman's YouTube page. With Chris Castillo and Ben Felder, thanks for joining us. We'll see you again next week. Mm-hmm.